0: Friends, welcome to the Ransom Tard podcast here in November. Super excited to tell you about and introduce to you a new series that is unfolding, and we are rolling out session one today. I know that many people have questions about prayer, struggles with prayer, disappointments with prayer, yearning to learn. Uh, Learning to grow, wanting to see more results in prayer, wanting to just you know kind of like prayer be a a richer part of our experience. And I happen to know this community is a praying community. And so, what I'm going to do over the next several weeks is just invite some folks into the studio and talk to them about prayer in their life. Like, how are they praying, and how did they learn to pray, and when did it get some traction in their life, and uh, what's going on now? What's, what are they currently learning? That kind of thing. It's already going to be exciting because today in the studio, I have Morgan and Sherry Snyder, and we're just going to have a free flowing conversation today and next week with the Snyders about prayer. So, welcome, friends. You're going, to, you're going to love this. What have you been praying lately? What have you found yourself praying lately? You know, John, it's an interesting question because I think of that
1: question more in the terms of how I've been praying than what I've been praying. Okay. How have you been praying I think for me, the biggest shift I would say over the last nine months is praying in a posture of curiosity, which was not my prayer life for most of my life. In other words, how I've been praying has really shifted from get a lot done I've got a list of stuff where I need the movement of God with a motive on outcomes and results and there's been a shift of curiosity of God what are you doing God how am I to pray God what's important to you what's on your heart for us right now and that in confession is a big shift for me that's been a uh,
0: Pretty huge this mm. year. Mm. Curious about what? Like when you say a posture of curiosity. I'm um, curious because so much
1: of my Christian life, I came to prayer with an agenda, with what I wanted done. Sure. What I wanted to see. What I thought was good for God in the life of the people I love, in my own life, and it was well-meaning, but it was simply off the mark Mm. a lot of the time. Mm. And after a pretty profound week Mm. in the spring where I got some concentrated prayer time to just really sit, just really settle, just really listen, I found a shift of, oh, God is doing rather different things, and he's concerned on rather different levels
0: and things Mm. in my life than me. Mm. It was very wonderfully embarrassing <laughs> yes yes that is embarrassing mm. sunshine what about you what do you what do you what you found yourself how how have you been praying yes like what's
2: i appreciate so much from um movie mountains the big idea that we have prayer of intimacy and we have prayer to get things done mm-hmm. and for me um i feel like this summer i waned in my vigilance in prayer and i really got my butt kicked and I, I was sort of weary of battle, weary of enforcing God's kingdom. And there was a lot that came against me, my mood, some depression, some really intense accusation between us. And I just felt like I woke up again to the fact of I have got to pray with such personally. I had like a ferocity wake up inside of me that has been really deep and true for me. Mm. I guess something in me woke up to a real serious place of taking rule and authority. And like when I am driving the kids to school, I pray that every room my kids walk into, that there would be an increase of joy and the atmosphere would change. And I release over them. I release over the school. I mean, I'm pretty ferocious right now in My prayer. Mm. (laughs) And it's really been so pivotal for me. And I can tell I have this prayer of intimacy. And sometimes it's almost like in a a place of deeper than words, like images, where Jesus is interacting with a broken place in my heart and doing something that is so beyond in terms of kindness for my heart that Mm. than I could imagine. Mm. So I can really feel the two very significant veins of prayer of intimacy and prayer of getting things done in terms of the inescapable fact that I have a post and I am a human called to rule and reign. And either I'm going to rule and reign in that post or other things are, but Mm. that's uh, something I can't escape from. Mm. Mm. So that's where I'm at. Oh, I
0: knew this was going to be good. (laughs) I knew this was going to be good. John, how about same question for you? What are you praying these days? Yeah, what am I praying these days? I find myself praying a great deal Mm -hmm. for one thing, and it's mostly driven by need, Mm -hmm. personal need, Mm -hmm. internal need. You know, I I obviously have a great care for the people around me, and there's Mm -hmm. prayers for, we have grandchildren now, and you know, but mostly it's union Mm -hmm. prayers. Mostly Mm -hmm. it's union these days, because I just am aware that if I'm united with God, if I'm aligned with God, if I'm in union with Him, I can operate well mm-hmm. and love people yes. and make good mm-hmm. decisions and not react to things and not kind of pick up on the emotion of others in this situation, but I can live out of God in the situation. Yes. But hanging on to that union's actually kind of been difficult, and mm-hmm. there's just a lot of things wanting to throw it sideways. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and so I think union, oneness, Jesus in me— kinds of prayers, and in fact, this morning, okay, so here's, we'll just start as current as woke up this morning, earlier than I wanted to, but I'm like, okay, that's okay, my day's beginning, and we have a puppy, so here's the deal, the puppy can't know I'm awake, (laughs) that's the key thing right now, (laughs) because if the puppy knows I'm awake, the day has begun, right? So I've gotta I've gotta lie there motionless. Don't rustle the sheets, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is actually the first thing you wanna do is like roll over and flop and you know, kind of thing, I'll lay there. And but here's this time yes. to pray, right? Yes. And and so this morning it was, oh Jesus in me, live this day. Yes. Jesus in me, Jesus in me. Cause I What's McDonald's line? Sometimes I wake and lo, I have forgot. Yes. You know, my soul has drifted out upon an ebbing tide. Yes. I felt like that. Like, yes. I'm just like, I know you're here, God, and I know you love me, but I sure don't feel connected to you right mm-hmm. now. And so my first thing is recovery of union, recovery oh, yes. of alignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Yes. So what we're doing, you know, curiosity, you want to come back to that. Ferocity, you want to come back to that. What we want to do in this series for our listeners is kind of just invite people to think about their own prayer life mm-hmm. and their longings and their needs and, and their experiences with it. So I'm going to ask you to back up a little bit in mm-hmm. your timeline, and let's talk about when did prayer begin to get some traction mm-hmm. in your life? When did it move from being, oh, dang, I haven't prayed for a long time to no it's I'm moving into it. It's becoming a thing for me it's mm-hmm. It's irregular for me when do you remember when that was for you? Can you go back and go when when did when did this begin to get some traction
2: after so college the The model for prayer that I had grown up with was prayer is primarily about changing us like that prayer is about giving room and permission for God to do something in me. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, which was lovely. I really appreciated that. And yet I didn't pray much. And I realized that there's that term I believe you and Brent used in Sacred Romance of a practical agnostic. Yes. And I really can see that I was a practical agnostic if you just looked at my practices. And then it really was through coming into the message of the Sacred Romance and having my eyes open to the larger story I remember I was so averse to spiritual warfare. I came from a very, a background that prizes reason, prizes a kind of a naturalistic worldview that, if anything, really agnosticism was the landing point for the worldview I grew up in. You all were still living in the Enlightenment. Absolutely. (laughs) Committed to it. And what I think is ironic is as I study the scriptures more to understand, actually, like, there's an extremely reasonable line of argument for spiritual warfare. And just for belief. Yeah. I mean, that's right? just Simply the irony belief. that that was used yes. against me. But anyways, yes. I remember Morgan having come out of the Institute, you know, he and I working through this idea of spiritual warfare. And I was so like confused and annoyed and frustrated and sort of alarmed by his intensity around the subject. But really through a series of events and being discipled and in the message and beginning to try on a worldview that included a personal evil that was working, that sure changed how I prayed. And then uh, the next step, I think, was the revelation of just back in Genesis 1 that I was male and female to rule and reign and this idea that um, God intended prayer as safe power sharing and that there was this stepping into part of how God accomplishes God's will on earth as it is in heaven, is through humans willing and participating in prayer. That paradigm shift of first introducing the idea of God is real, there is a story, I have an enemy, and as a human, I have a vocation to rule and reign.
1: Mm.
2: Those were central paradigm shifts. And then an additional paradigm shift of, of intimacy and union, and that Jesus was present to every part of me, both the conscious part of me and the non-conscious part of me. And the invitation to part of how I pray is I bring all of my young places, known and unknown to me, into just invite Jesus access and to kind of feel that God is infinitely connected to my young places that I am yet to be reconciled with and that they have a safe place in God or God is simultaneously at work is very... Helpful mm. to me, mm. and then I can sort of sometimes feel when a young place is needing tended to, and other times, I just am more in my forty um, two year old present self that is ruling and reigning. So I can feel the different movements and the subtlety of all oh, this is prayer mm. of intimacy and healing, mm. Mm. and mm. this is prayer of worship and adoration, and this is a lament. Mm. This is just of my broken heart. Mm. And here is my queenly ruling and reigning. Mm. But it until I had those paradigm shifts, my prayer was understandably pretty non-existent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, understandably so, right? right. Those those are big categories. Mm-hmm. Like I I have a part in this? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a big category. It's a big category. The, the idea that prayer is not just asking God to do something and then waiting. Yes. Hoping Now, you know, to see whether he's going to do it or not. Right. Right. Right? I think most people live with that view of prayer. I think most people think prayer is, well, we ask God. Right. And then we kind of sit back and go, hope he does it. Right? Don't have a great track record that he's going to do it. Totally. But hope this time. Right. And the
1: underlying layer, John, of God is in control and his will is done. So I'm supposed to ask, but he's going to do what he wants to do. Oh, gosh, so that's just I'm kind of asking, but he's oh, already going to do it. Okay. Right? Because sh- Sherry,
0: as you're sharing, Okay, wait, wait, wait. Pray- you brought that up for a reason. Right. Go on. I'm thinking
1: of when I came to Christ in college. I came to Christ out of repentance, contrition, desperate need for something beyond myself. It wasn't working, and forgiveness was plenty, mm-hmm. because I needed a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, that was sufficient. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I came into a campus ministry, and the culture of it—good people, hearts for God—and yet the culture was prayer is something you should do. Prayer is something you ought to do. Yeah. Prayer is a good thing yeah. in the Christian life, but the way that it— Effectively lived out was tagging on prayers to Christian activity, but there wasn't this fundamental belief it did anything. Yeah. And I think, John, the underlying belief was God's will is done. Anyway. Anyway. So you should pray, but it doesn't do anything. And the fact is, that renders it pretty benign, right? <laughs> That's the culture. Prayer was benign, and therefore, always this level of guilt. Mm. I should pray more. Mm. But never a belief that it matters Mm -hmm. and so I didn't. Mm. Right. That's where it all started. Of course. Of course. Why would
0: you why would you pray if God's will is already done? Which is a fascinating thing about the Lord's Prayer. Absolutely. By the way. So listeners, this is gonna we're gonna probably kind of range back and forth from stories and testimony and life and and lessons learned into theology and scriptures, but you know, right, our father. In the heavens, we worship and adore your name. Yes. yes. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is currently being done in heaven. Yes. Mm-hmm. Give us this day, right, and then on we go. But so, guys, you know, you understand that uh, listeners, that the theology of Jesus mm-hmm. in teaching us to pray is that God's will is not always done on earth as it is done in heaven, and that we are playing a role. In many ways, including through our prayers, to see that it is done yes. on earth as it is done in heaven. Or why would he tell you to pray that? Right, All right? It's just it's ludicrous, it's right? Ridiculous, you know.
1: Right. God's will is opposed.
0: Jesus never tells earth. you to pray that the sun will come up. Mm. Mm. He never, he never prays. He never tells you to pray that the lunar cycles mm. will continue. Oh Lord, please let there be a full moon this month. You know, mm. it's a given that's going to happen. God's will is done mm. in those realms. But here on earth, Jesus says, we need to pray. Right. So just to kind of begin to dismantle the idea, well, you pray, Mm -hmm. the idea you were saying that's so it just stops prayer in its tracks is 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 the idea that God's gonna do what he's gonna do anyway.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Right? Yes. And that that is a crippling. Crippling. Right. Crippling thing. By the way, it's gonna cause you to believe all kinds of terrible things about God, you know, so human trafficking, you know, child prostitution.
1: And just the cultivation of a victim mentality, right? I'm on my own, and and I can't do much about it. Instead of this participation that you're relating with God, and as you're saying, Sherry, like a reigning. Mm. I remember, John, I haven't thought about this in years, but when you ask the question of where did it all start, it's fascinating. God took me back to when I first met you, and you were teaching a class on Christian worldview, and you began each class with a prayer, but what, what I would have described is you, it would have been better said mm-hmm. to be a reading of a psalm. Every class, you read a psalm, but no one read a psalm like you did before mm-hmm. in my life. And today, when I look back, the only way I can describe is you prayed a psalm. Yes. You actually embodied the text, believing that the Spirit embodied it with you, and you spoke it into being. Now, I couldn't have said any of that at the time. All I know is I'm sitting in a chair, Mm. and I'm going, oh, my goodness, this is happening. Like, there's an activity, and there's a power, and these words are alive, and it's changing reality. Mm. And I had no category. So the beauty of it is the power of prayer before you even have the belief, because I had an openness to God. I want to know who you are. I want to break the limits I have. But that's when you introduced indirectly the power of praying the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And now fast forward 21 years later, that's a very fundamental way I pray, because so often I don't know what to pray. I have no idea. Like you, you wake up, like you said, you know, completely disconnected. And I have days where that goes on into the day quite yep, a while. Right. I'm disoriented. Right. But the pra- the scriptures have come alive and been empowered by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's another category where before it was just words. It was theology. It was text and at best wisdom. So give me, give me an
0: example. You say, sometimes I pray the scriptures. Like, for example. Yeah.
1: So, for example, about six weeks ago, um, we were on a mission, and God gave an advanced word to me, 2 Corinthians 4, and I held on to it, and then I prayed it, and then I read it, and I marinated it, but it became this prayer over time of something that rooted my soul in the kingdom of God that was beyond my understanding, and as I prayed into it, I spoke it into being, but it grew in me. And so, for example, Second Corinthians, Paul is saying we have this treasure in jars of clay, in our ordinary human lives, it says in Peterson's translation, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Mm. And so not just to read that scripture, but to pray it to say, we are ordinary on some levels, and there is an intention behind it that God puts in ordinary human beings and all-surpassing power that is from you, God, and Mm. not from us. And so Mm. even there, there's this rooting into, I need your power beyond my own power. And then it goes into, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And when I read that, when I see this verse, I can see it as, we are hard-pressed, we are perplexed we are persecuted, and we are struck down. But as I pray into it, I I experience it different. As I pray, I see we are hard-pressed, but we are not perplexed. Mm. We are not abandoned. We are not destroyed. That power is at work within us. And so, God, would that all-surpassing power manifest in me, and then would it manifest through me? And so it's an example that I root myself in the scripture and tap into the power of God through yeah. it. Yeah. And so I find yeah. that God will just kind of lead me to a passage for a season, and yeah. it's a way of praying that's cool. the kingdom.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. So you guys are describing a journey that kind of took place in and after college, mm-hmm. your 20s, mm-hmm. um, and then prayer began to get traction like in your 30s. Like, where would you say? You know it? It really began I mean, as a functional yeah, reality. It what, guess, I'm, what I'm describing is like daily, like yeah. this, is, this is not something I have to drum up anymore. This isn't something that it's on my to-do list. No, I just kind of do it. You know, like that transition yeah. is what
2: I'm curious about. For me, it was in my 20s, but I, I had kids in my 20s. Like I was well, that'll do it. Yeah, exactly. So I had, <laughs> and getting married, I had a kid at 26, so I I, yeah. I, I, kind of, you know, I was, I was in full on, I guess, needing to become Neat. an adult. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, but really, frankly, waking the dead and the advent of waking the dead and the daily prayer in the back of waking the dead, and that is one of my go-to's. The first two paragraphs, I, I probably mutter the first two paragraphs of the daily prayer a lot, or first three maybe into, mm. but dear God, holy and victorious Trinity, you alone are worthy. I mean, just that sentence alone. So I have found so much in the daily prayer. And that came out in 2002, I think, Waking the Mm -hmm. Dead. Waking the Dead was huge. And John, I can actually remember sitting in a room when you first taught on that story of Elijah and praying for the rain. And as an example of, um, like, that was a moment of, a light going off inside of me of like, oh my goodness, that story.
0: So the story that she's referring to is in James chapter 5. He's talking about prayer, and he says, Elijah was a man just like us. And you, you just have to pause there and go, wait, why did he say that? Hmm. Well, he said that because we always make exceptions of these Bible figures, right? We immediately go, the Bible is a book of exceptions not a book of examples, right? Like, Elijah, oh, come on, you know. But he immediately wants to mm-hmm. address that assumption operating in all of us. He says, Elijah was actually just like you. You're just like Elijah. You're ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Back to the Second Corinthians passage, okay? He, he goes on. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. James is making an assumption that, therefore, you can do that too. Mm -hmm. That's why Mm -hmm. he says he was a man just like us. He's not trying to set up this extraordinary story that you'll never be able to pray Mm -hmm. like that, but I just wanted to tell you about Mm it. (laughs) What what good would that do, people? That's discouraging, you know? (laughs) Uh, He's saying, look, here's a very real guy, full of his faults, full of fears, and you are just like him. He's just like you. And you can do this too. You can do this too. And, and he's also, he's wanting us to go back and check mm-hmm. out that story exactly. and mm-hmm. kind of go, okay, well, how did he do that? And how he did it is absolutely fascinating, <laughs> but we'll not go into that yes. right now. So it was uh, in your twenties, it was young yes. motherhood. Yes. It was the paradigm shifts that were coming in. Yes. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Okay.
0: How about as a couple? Prayer as a couple, you hear it in all the marriage conferences, you read it in all the marriage books, you know, you really ought to pray together. And, you know, and you hear these wonderful testimonies of people saying, Oh, you know, I love praying. I love praying with my with my husband. And but that took Stacy and I a long time Mm -hmm. to really get some traction in that, get going, get some momentum, get an ease. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it didn't feel like it was awkward and bumbly and how is How has prayer as a married couple worked out for you guys? Mm-hmm. Do you pray as a couple now? Let's just start with today. Let's start mm-hmm. with the current moment. Do you guys pray together?
2: Today, we both prayed separately. Mm-hmm. And I would say that is our most days. Morgan and I, and I, I think out of that sheer thing of need, both spent a significant amount of time in prayer in the morning. In it's, your own in ways. Some, in our own ways. In your own ways. And then we will often, like a very intimate place is kind of sense, sharing with each other what we're sensing mm-hmm. from God. And we don't get that every day. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like, it means a lot to me to know he's praying and for him to know I'm praying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know that to my bones and it means the world to me. And, but we occasionally as needed pray together, but... I don't know. For For us, it just hasn't been like the most intimate thing is knowing what God's doing in his heart and what God's doing in my heart. And then maybe we'll have an overflow of prayer together. But as a confession, I'm not even sure it's a confession. As a reality, I feel like we're both at our post. Yeah. We're both praying. And when we pray together, it's awesome. But that's just not our highest priority. Our highest priority right now is where we both are praying. Okay. Okay. To yeah. be frank. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: think I'd say, yeah, I think that's well said where our life is rooted in a life of prayer, and mm-hmm. we're kind of in alignment with that, yeah. and especially with the kids, right? We've got teenagers, yeah. carpool. We leave the date. So I one house of us at seven leaves and, the house, right, with the kids, yeah. and whoever's taking the kids is praying with them mm-hmm. in the car, kind of our daily prayer. Mm-hmm. And so there's this natural energy of a separate parallel. Uh, but one of the things I'd say in when we pray together, mm-hmm. the biggest piece in our life was Sherry's initiative of just our praying. That was the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. And what because I do think prayer together as couples is one of the most opposed forces in realities in marriage. Like it is just, I don't know anything more opposed because there is a power in union. Mm -hmm. There's a power released. There's a a vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. All your stuff surfaces. And so Sherry introduced a culture that I think just flowed out of her own life of she just start praying. We would find ourselves praying, not setting aside time. And often it was in you the mean car. like in the
0: kitchen, right? In the car. Like in the middle
1: of a conversation, oh, okay. right? So we're talking okay. about we're having we're going to go on that trip and with family, and we were wondering how this thing would go. And then Father, we invite you into this, and we ask that you would show us what do we do in this situation. Mm. And and mm. I would find we're no longer talking; we're praying, mm. I and mean, because we're both people who love God, we kind of went with it. But the distinction was we're not trying to make it some formal separate thing, but it was a fluid Mm -hmm. thing. And now I would say much of the time we pray together, that's the way it Mm -hmm. transpires is we go from dialogue to let's just pray.
0: We can talk about this all we want. We need God. This is huge. Ding, 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 ding. Let me pause for our Mm -hmm. listeners and say set aside time for prayer is good. And important, but you're going to find it a whole lot easier mm-hmm. and a whole lot more accessible if you just pray whenever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just that's whenever. The best way to you know? Absolutely. Directly. In the car with the kids or, yes. you know, waiting for a flight yes. so, or w- with whenever. Yep. Right? You just just do it. Right? Like, don't yes. wait for a yes. certain yes. sacred yes. moment and yes. don't wait till you right? feel like doing it. Don't wait yeah. till you feel like the presence of God is rich and thick in the room. Just do it. Yes. Right? And what you're saying is you just find yourselves just praying together in all kinds of situations. Yeah. In bed.
1: Sure. In the car. Yeah. It's,
0: that's when life
2: so I'm happens. I'm doing dishes. Yeah, Right.
0: i doing dishes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. I
1: think, too, remember the first time we prayed at Wilson Hall on the wall?
2: Yes.
0: We were young,
1: and we didn't know that we were about to— stick our cord in 220 volts. You know, we were just young, whippersnapper, college students, thirsty for God. And and we weren't dating. We were just friends. And we had something on our heart. I have no idea what it was. And we just started praying. And we were like, what just happened? And so I, we were yeah, sitting on like this. like blushing. Right. Because like so we looked at each other afterwards yeah. going, well, well, we tapped into the kingdom mm. and intimacy. And we went, mm. whoa, whoa, whoa. What what do we have here? Mm. And so it was just this confession of mm. that was a mile marker to go. There is power, and we're not ready for this together. <laughs> yeah. So we probably shouldn't do that again. But it was a a, a footnote in our story mm. to go. Mm. You can have that, mm. and we want more of that. Yeah.
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna just pause this um, for a moment because. There's so much that's already been shared, and in so much even theology, and just passing comments that have been made. We gotta, we gotta take a little time to digest this and let it sink in and think about it. So I think we'll do two parts. I think we'll let this be part one, and just um, pause here today. Let our friends think about it now as they're running and walking and driving and commuting and however they're listening to the podcast this week. So we're going to come back next time and just carry on the conversation.